Hello, friends. Welcome to Between the Lines, a show where we take a literary criticism approach to discussing contemporary poetry. My name is Jacob, and among my many identities, perhaps my favorite is that I am a poet. I started writing poetry in 2013 and began more seriously studying it in 2018. While I have read and loved poetry across many genres, my favorites include modernism and confessionalism. And while I feel like I have a new favorite poet every day, some of my all-time favorites include Anne Sexton, Frank O'Hara, Keaton St. James, Adam Benedict, and Natalie Diaz. As a bit of an aside, I read Grief Work by Natalie Diaz at least three times a week. Y'all should check it out. My most influential experience with poetry, however, was my time spent studying with the late David Cool, the first poet laureate of Missouri, and the coolest old man I've ever known. While the literary criticism approach asks us to look deeper than the content of the poems, evaluating components such as form, line breaks, word choice, rhyme and rhythm, and the use of other poetic devices to arrive at a critical understanding of a text meaning, theme, or overall effectiveness as a piece of literature, we will ultimately be evaluating our works on one of Kuhl's tenets of good poetry, which is, as he always said, that a good poem rearranges your molecules. Join us next time to hear my friend and fellow poet Grace and I read and discuss several poems from Anna Lum's book, Even the Celery Flies, Six Decades of Poetry. Anna Lum is a longtime poet and Tai Chi instructor, and more recently a co-founder of the Herding Cats Artist Collective in St. Louis. Her poetry ranges in topic, but provides a whimsical, beautiful, and sometimes campy outlook on the world while still addressing heavier topics such as identity and grief. I'm really excited to share it with you all. All right, friends, that's all for now, but stick around and we'll hopefully get our molecules rearranged just a little bit. Welcome back, friends. Today we're joined by my friend and fellow poet, Grace. Hello! So happy to be here. We have a really exciting episode planned for you all. We're going to be reading a few poems from Anna Lum's book, Even the Celery Flies. And as always, we're looking to answer that question of if our molecules will get rearranged. All right, so the first poem we have today is called Take Two. A tape records foul linen that lies in the middle, rung out of juice on a wilted rug, awaits her finishing touch, leaked by years before. A camera spots the clock radio as they chop it in two, he'll take her time. She, his static and vice versa, still settles not. An audience tastes dry wine as it bleeds with roast pork into a belly, laugh more, more, and cushions their dying. I listened, watched, savored their performance, shakes the future of old ghost, fine entertainment, this death of their marriage. All right, Grace, what are your initial thoughts? Snaps, I love that one. I love the imagery. I just like, I feel like I get a little bit lost in the end. I don't really know what's happening. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely 
agree with that point. I I do feel like I'm following up until that last stanza, especially that last, those last two lines, that fine entertainment, this death of their marriage, that seems to be coming kind of out of left field. If there was a conflict of a marriage, there needs to be more like imagery of a marriage. But I, I don't, I'm not seeing that anywhere else. Yeah, that idea of marriage established early in the poem probably within that like first stanza yeah but maybe the chopping it in two is Mm -hmm. something yeah that definitely interacts with that idea of the death of the marriage with with it being cut in two i just feel like the idea maybe gets a little bit lost i mean i think it definitely shows poetic prowess what do you think of the use of line breaks in this poem I'm not always a fan of enjambment. I think it has to be really well put together. But I I like it in the first stanza where she says that lies in the middle rung out of juice on a willed rug. I think that that is effective there. I do think down in that third stanza with the lines laugh more, more and cushion their dying. That's... I'm enjoying that. That's invoking. What do you think of that portion of the poem? I like the repetition there. And cushions their dying. That that goes back to the death of the marriage. It has two stanzas that are back to back that end on dying. Mm-hmm. So that packs the punch mm-hmm. there at the end. What What would you say that repetition of the idea of dying at the end of both of those stanzas contributes to the theme of the poem? It makes you think about death throughout the poem. I mean, because they're also butchering an animal. They're like butchering a pork. How would you say up in the first stanza, line three is awaits her finishing touch. How would you say that that line interacts with that idea of death? One idea that I had with that line and with that idea of death is maybe that the, the finishing touch is death. Do you see that connection? Ah, okay. Yeah. I think that that's a really interesting idea. Yeah, I think that, I think it connects the rest of it throughout the poem. And I think like also the foul linen, uh, this imagery of things being broken and just like a little bit wrong. The pork belly bleeding um, and not being cooked, it just being like raw and gross. Mm -hmm. I think just that imagery of things being kind of disgusting and disturbing too is like really prominent and decay too. And building off of that, following the line awaits her finishing touch is the line leaked by years before. So that's alluding that this this kind of rotting, decaying, dying has been in process Absolutely. For, for quite some time. So maybe our initial take that the death of the marriage was coming out of left field <laughs> might be incorrect looking at those lines four and five of the first stanza. Yeah, maybe we were wrong. I feel like I feel like now that we've looked back at it, it feels like it makes a lot of sense, actually. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is complete. I feel like this poem is complete, and I like it. I agree. Sometimes you just need to talk poems through, and then they're just so much better. A lot of the choices are much more effective once you take the time to understand them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Are you ready to 
answer our ultimate question here about this poem or yeah do we have more to say about this one? Oh, i'm ready to answer All the right. ultimate question are your what are your molecules doing my molecules are moving up and down <laughs> and they're bubbling. bubbling well i don't know about you but i'd say that that's rearranging them and they're bubbling i agree I don't know if I would choose bubbling to describe mine, but I, yeah. Yes, so we are in the process of rearrangement. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on to our next poem. Maybe I shouldn't say this before the poem even happens, but I really quite like this one. Um, This next poem is called Termite Music. What if you hunger for the printed word? Brave to embrace, Matisse, even enhance his cutouts. Saw your way, piece by piece, through the puzzle, only to meet death by Dura's band. I can hear you shriek for termite rights. I think that this is an incredibly fun poem. I love reading it. I remember the first time I read it. I was just like, yes, I this is great. What about you? I also love it. Yeah. I love the word shriek. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I think it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of that scene in that new Netflix movie. Uh, I think it's called The House. And the termites are all dancing. And it's just, it's really crazy. I feel like it's inspired by this poem. I... From the first time I've read this poem, I have not been able to get those first two lines, what if you hunger for the printed word, out of my head. That has really stuck with me. And I think like the history of the part about Matisse and his cutouts are is a super interesting inclusion. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure this is correct. He did his cutouts very late in his career. So I feel like that's maybe a way of saying you can still like be shrieking and do amazing things like still late in the game. Yeah, you can still have that desire and passion. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't go away. (laughs) And a desire that's so strong that, you know, that the imagery and the association of a termite you know, a, a desire that's so strong that you would eat through something to get it. Yeah. You eat through, and that that desire sort of doesn't go away. How do you think that idea, though, interacts within this the final two lines of I can hear you shriek for termite rights? Because <laughs> I, I love those lines, and I, I think that's the part of the poem where it, like, gets, you know, kind of fun, even dare I say campy um, <laughs> definitely campy what what are you thinking either about those lines on their own or how those lines interact with the ideas presented in the first stanza I think just that that shrieking never goes away and I think it also talks about that connection to to poetry and to art and activism if you're a poet you you have to kind of be an activist as well. Um, there's no getting away from that. Like you have to, you have to shriek for termite rights. I, I love that line. I think it's a really playful approach on what is once you 
start to break it down what is a very serious issue like you said like poets are activists and there's a lot of heaviness that comes with that but then this poem is taking that same idea but twisting it around in a way that's so fun to engage with cool often said that a good poem takes something that you are familiar with and presents it in a way that you've never thought about it before but once you think about it that way it makes so much sense like it seems clear as day like once you get it presented in in that new way and I think that's exactly what is happening with this poem oh absolutely yeah so I would say my molecules have been rearranged from the first time I read this poem my molecules went on a roller coaster (laughs) My molecules went to Aruba. They came back. My molecules ate through the wall and then the (gasps) house fell down and then they built the house back up. Yeah. (laughs) Shall we move on? Yes. Okay. Wonderful poem. Our next one. This is our shortest one. Just one stanza. Four lines. This one is called Moonrise. Shall we watch the moon grow together? Yellow warm at dusk in May. Green locks so long by winter, leaves crack the moon in three. That one is so beautiful. I agree. There's a, there's just a lovingness to it. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel that it's a love poem, but I can't really, I don't, I don't know how to explain why, except that the first line is just like watching something grow together. And I feel like that's a very loving act to do with someone else. Yeah. I, then moving into that second line, yellow warm. Just the word warm, I've always associated with love. Something really quite interesting with this poem, though, is once we get to that final line, leaves crack the moon in three, that line on its own is suggesting a breaking of something. And so that seems to contradict the three lines preceding it. Maybe not even the three lines because uh, line three, green locked so long. Are we maybe feeling a little bit locked in and trapped perhaps? Another interesting thing happening here. Green locked so long by winter, leaves crack. So we have the winter locking the green away. But now we know that it's, now we're in May. We're in dusk in May, and the leaves are coming out. They are escaping that containment, that confinement. And in that escaping, in that growing, it has the power to crack the moon. Mm -hmm. So that, again, brings us back to that initial understanding of, just like we both intrinsically felt it was a love poem. And I think that's because we're not meant to take that idea of the cracking as the final takeaway. We're not meant to see a breaking what's final, but instead that growing and growing so strong that it has the power to do the break. Okay. I, I like that interpretation a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really beautiful too, that you can watch something that may seem kind of scary happen together and weather that storm. And still you know? grow together. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And the love that just comes from that process. I think that it's hard to create such good imagery and finalize an idea in 
a reader's brain and create something so impactful in only four lines, I think that that's really hard to do and such a short poem. So I, I really, I really appreciate this one. And I think overall in Lum's poetry, she does a really good job of, like she has a lot of effective short poems. I, and I'd say my molecules went to the moon. <laughs> Did your molecules go in a rocket? In a spaceship? No. No, they just walked there. They walked! <laughs> my molecules went in a spaceship. Oh, to the okay. moon. Your molecules have more money than my molecules. Yeah, my molecules are rich. <laughs> okay. On a serious note, this is a phenomenal poem. And... I appreciate a poem that uses shall and doesn't sound very pretentious and silly. That is another great point. I love I love the word shall. All right, friends, that is unfortunately all we have for you right now. But thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, friends. This was a great time. Some really, really great poems. friends, you will now be hearing a representation of the poem Termite Music in Sound. Thanks for listening. This has been Between the Lines.